Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pixel Play Podcast. My name is Adam, aka CS Radical. Joined by me is Mr. Jin and Chris. Kalen, not here again this week. The JRPG King, apparently too good for us now on this show. That's two weeks in a row. I, I feel I feel like this is a fireable offense now. Maybe if I had any say in any of that. <laughs> well, by no, fire, I, I mean force him to play a Persona game, you know, like same thing, right? Yeah, I think he should be condemned to Kingdom Hearts. I think that whoa, should whoa, be... Whoa, whoa, okay. It's only been two weeks. Let's kind of... <laughs> let's slow down a little bit here. I'm trying to gradually make the sentence worse, okay? <laughs> uh, poor well, guy. How are you doing back. on this fine Tuesday evening? And yes, I do say Tuesday evening. I don't care what time it is when you're watching this or when we're recording this. <laughs> Um, oh, it's sad because Kalen's not here and I actually finished uh, a game that he would have been very happy to know that I finished, which is Cult of the Lamb. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll actually save talking about that until Kalen's back because I know the two of us will want to gush about it. I only have good things to say, obviously, um, but he is the Cult of the Lamb King as well as the once JRPG King. So I think it's only fair if I wait till he's here. Um, but I do have something that you will enjoy, because after I finished Cult of the Lamb, I started Trails in the Sky, yes. and I am no, I'm not very far. I'm only like four hours in. Um, I'm at the part where the how many party members guild... do you have? That'll give me an idea. Just the two. Okay, so you you haven't got the initial two for yet. Okay. No, the guild or whatever you you join near the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing all of those quests they just immediately threw like oh well here you can do all of these and then my stupid jrpg brain was like do all the things and now that's what i'm doing i'm running around doing all the things um first of all this game has an incredible amount of jrpg charm already i love the characters and the way they're written i know pretty classic excuse me jrpg characters you know, you got the girl who's just like tough and and kind of, you know, whatever around the edges, little, you know, little rough around the edges, but it's she's also super cute and cool. Um, and then you've got the guy who's a little more sensitive, uh, kind of holds his feelings back a bit. Um, so obviously that's been done before, but I am loving these two characters and everything so far. They have a lot more personality than a lot more JRPGs that I've played in oh, yeah. years. Like, Estelle is I, also my favorite type too, where like it's a main character that at points will flat out like flaunt violence in front of their in front of people. Because there's a oh, character yeah. that starts to get on her nerves that joins your party later on. There's one point where she says, "I just want to remind you, I have a big stick." Like it'll be stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, but also it, like it's the mixture of so that, good. but she also just has like an unwavering like happiness to her which again is another yes. thing that most jrpg protagonists do not have this is true Zidane usually it immediately there, comes the, to mind yeah squall cloud like no no, no i mean so like many of actually having happiness oh even having it yes okay zidane that's where we end i guess uh <laughs> <no>. <laughs> well i mean no. vaughn sort of does but it's in those in the guise of he's like 10 and doesn't know yeah. any better He's just immature. He's not happy. He's immature. He doesn't know yet. Um, but yeah, I love these characters and just the aesthetic. I know it's an older game. Obviously, this is the first in a million part series. Um, but I immediately, it just brought me to my happy place. Like, it gives me, you know, like 
Xeno Gears meets a uh, little bit of tactical. It definitely RPG. comes up like a PlayStation game, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I'm immediately in love. The only thing I have that's a bit of a learning curve. It's not a complaint. It is the learning curve. This game is not holding your hand like JRPGs have been doing for like 15 years. Uh, so I've definitely got it turned on that when I die, it like lowers the difficulty. Yeah. Um, and there are many battles I go into and I'm about to die and I'm like, I'm just going to let myself die and lower the difficulty. Oh, just there are let a few happen. boss battles in this specific series of games where I go, you know what? I could go back and grind. Fuck it. We're going to die five times until this works. <laughs> I've tried grinding and I'm already like level six, I feel like, which is actually pretty high because now I'm at the point where if I was to go to my next level, it is a few hundred XP and each battle gives me like three. Yeah, there you definitely Ugh. know the point where grinding is no longer the option. So generally the way the game will always work is that you either need to grind more and you'll know because your XP amounts will still be decent. Especially yes. in the later parts of the game, you'll definitely know when you've overgrinded. And then the okay. other half will be, okay, well, that means then your quartz setup is not adequate because it means that you're probably needing like some stronger spells or maybe you're missing like a, an element that could be really beneficial with you here. Maybe you need somebody who just has like really good um, support spells. Like there's a lot of things like that that can add on to it. And sometimes too, um, especially with the uh, side quest bosses where they'll just tell you, go find this boss out in the middle of X place sometimes they're very specific okay you'll want to probably wear uh talismans that protect you from petrify or something like that so there's a lot of uh, that too where you're definitely gonna i always started getting into the habit of as soon as i had enough money i would make sure i bought four of each type of uh, accessory that negates something because if there's ever a boss that is so stupidly difficult that does that then at the very least it's one less thing to worry about and then i just have to slowly whittle it away that's smart, because I noticed in the first shop I was in, there was like three talismans right away. It was like poison and two other ones. So maybe I'll uh, get some money and buy, start buying those. Yeah, just to status have them. effects are actually a pretty big focus. It's one of the very few games that have made me actually pay attention to what I'm doing status effect wise. Granted, in Trails of Cold Steel, it's because, good lord, you can break some builds with, with using status effects, so it can be really fun that way. Like, hey, let me put a character in who does attacks that are really powerful, but also has a 25% chance to freeze or petrify something. And you're just like, well, I guess I can go with that because that's pretty beneficial to me that they can't move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not very far in it. I'm loving it. I have tried it both on my TV because I've got like an old PC I've got hooked up to that. Um, and also on the Steam Deck, it is a wonder on the Steam Deck. Oh, the old graphics and everything just so. fit. Uh, if anybody's listening and has a Steam Deck or maybe even just is trying to run this game on Linux, uh, one suggestion, when you go to start the game on Steam, it gives you like a million options. Play the game, go into the configuration tool, launch it in Direct, Direct X 8 or whatever it's called, and then something else. Launch the game in DirectX 8, the old version. It works flawless. When I did the normal, like, newer version, I don't think they'd worked on the compatibility with Linux as much. Yeah, so the it first came up. one has some issues, whereas, like, going forward, the other two are fine. But the first one, yeah, I had to have a very specific option myself and had to do a little research on it. But it seems yeah. like the other ones are fine because now they started becoming more... Because the original one was originally just a PSP game and they just haphazardly ported it to Steam. When it did really well, 
they thought, oh, okay, I guess we should probably do some actual work on this for PC. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, when, when you launch it in the normal version, it would launch. It would have a little bit of a few hiccups here and there trying to run. And it was locked to 720p no matter what you did. And the Steam Deck um, actually has a slightly wider screen. It's 800p, so it's a little bit taller. Um, and I always try and get rid of those black bars at the top and bottom if I can. When you run it in DirectX 8, it automatically puts it to the correct resolution for some reason. Um, so if you're playing on the Steam Deck, do that. But when I played it on Windows on my TV, I think I actually needed to run it on the newer version for it to run more flawlessly in actual Windows. So I think it's more, if you have Linux, go with um, the old version. And then if you have Windows, go with the new version. Yeah, but it seems to be a case-by-case -case basis. And there's plenty of, especially with Steam, like if you just go into the Steam Workshop like forums for this game, there's plenty of 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 help with that so it's it's not too difficult to get it going if you're having problems initially but other than that it's it's pretty smooth oh 100 yeah i so yeah once i chose the right version it ran amazing on the steam deck and like it is a dream like just you can it, it the graphics fit perfectly with there the even the ui size with the text boxes and everything amazing runs you can get it at 60 FPS, um, but I actually locked it to 40 FPS and you get like four or five hours of battery too with it. So you can actually JRPG to your heart's content on there if anybody's using it on that. So highly suggested if anybody wants to play this portably. Uh, I've only got a Steam Deck, but I imagine it would run just as nice, if not better, on an ROG Ally or any of those other ones that exist too. Now, I guess my only uh, other big question for you is... Uh... Are you enjoying the completely weird, random, empty chest messages? Yeah, there's an achievement I realized for that. You have to actually not only open every chest, but then read the message after. <laughs> so now I've been doing that. I don't think I'm going to find every chest. I don't want to follow a guide or do something like for that. For the most but... part, they're not too difficult to find. But yeah, you'll probably miss one here and there. Yeah, they the messages are hilarious. Like... I, it's such a nice touch. It is a shame that you have to like open it and then check again to see the message because I'm I mean, sure there's right a lot there. of people have just missed it. Yeah. Oh no. I just, I, I bet you some people completely miss it where they open the chest and then just move on and don't actually think to like reread it and see what comes up. So yeah. it's definitely something as you know, highly suggest because they're all unique. And I think the achievement showed like 63 of them or Maybe even more. I can't remember what the achievements are. There's some good ones that showed. are like, sometimes they're just basic puns. Sometimes they're jokes. Sometimes they're like weird references. Especially once you get further and further into the series, more references start to get gradually pulled along. And my favorite thing they did is in the first um, Crossbell game, Trails to Zero, or Trails from Zero, I should say, um, the first three chests, because, because Cold Steel doesn't have this anymore. So for those who don't know, uh, apparently with Trails of In the Sky... They forgot to code the chess to have a single empty message. So every single chest in Trails in the Sky has its own unique empty chess message. Even though in the in the Japanese game, it all says the same thing. It just says this chest is empty or something like that. But when the localization team was dealing with this, they saw this in the code and went, no, we're going to do something funny with this. And they do unique chest messages for every single empty chest and i guess by cold steel the developers realized that that had happened they fixed it it does you can't you don't even get an empty chest message with cold steel anymore with trails Aww. from zero the first three chests 
are the localization team trolling you because the first one says something like this chest is empty or something like that. The second chest says the exact same message. And then the third one says, thought you weren't going to do these things anymore, did you? <laughs> something akin <laughs> to that. I'm like, you motherfuckers, you got me. That's amazing. Yeah, that is just like great teams working like and actually caring about their game and doing something fun for them, but also the people who play the oh, games too. it's definitely too. why a it's lot of people cool. really appreciate the localization team. It's why there is a big push for the other two Trails games, because for those who, own, who don't know, it was a massive slog getting two and three done because of the way there's so much text in these games. So translating it is a massive undertaking. And then there were also issues from what I remember, because this is a long time ago now, but there were issues between... Um, the original developers with Japan and then the localization team that people weren't, I think it might've was had to do something with like getting paid or the working conditions or something like that. And there were just oh. issues. And eventually like it was, there was like some bad blood going on. So it took a while to get everything kind of smoothened out. And it took a lot of fan requesting to get, I believe the third one, especially. And then obviously it took forever to get the crossbow games. They only just got ported recently. So, Jeez. So it, it definitely was an issue. I mean, now that these games are all voice acted, it's not as difficult now. So there's definitely a vested interest. And now also the game seems to be getting quite a bit of attention. So it's very much like Persona where it's it's definitely in Falcom's best interest to keep pushing these to the States. So, Oh, I believe so. Sorry, my mic is doing that thing where it's decided that it's too heavy for my desk all of a sudden. And it's trying to it just wants to, It just wants to leave. It just wants to get that out of here. But yeah, I, I can't wait to see uh, once you get a little bit deeper in and you start really seeing how far the rabbit hole goes. Because again, like, and also too, be warned, you probably won't finish every side quest because the game has a habit of hiding them from you. Oh. So you have no, like, Perfect. you basically have to talk to everybody and hope that you trigger it. And sometimes in the most, like, random thing, like, you'll finish a boss battle and say, go back to the guild to go report your findings you should probably check the board before that because sometimes they sneakily slip one more side quest in there so that way you don't get a perfect ranking for the chapter. And I may or may not have cursed a number of times whenever I go and check that and go, motherfuckers, I missed an S rank again. You son of a bitch. Because <laughs> you realize, shit, I must have missed a quest that they must have like secretly thrown in there later. Yeah, that's... Okay, that's a good hint. I'll make sure. I've been checking that board a lot, and I'm pretty sure I'll be checking it every 40 seconds as I play, so. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Every, like, once you get uh, 20 potions, another one checks off and goes active. The second you kill uh, 67 uh, specific of these monsters, it triggers. No, no it's, it's definitely gated by, like, certain story markers, so. Okay, okay. Well, I'll still check it a lot out of pure habit of JRPGness, but... Yeah, I'm glad I finally started it because I feel like on this podcast, in our friendship in general, I feel like I've been saying, I'm going to start that series one day. I can't wait till I finally start Trials of Something. It only took I've had me it playing, them, playing the entire series again in three months for you to go, you know what, if he's willing to do that, I think I could try one of them. Yeah, and it was also all your reviews on the, on the episodes. I was like, okay, I, it was like CrossCode, Cult of the Lamb from Kalen, and then all the... Trails yeah, I'm games a little sad you're not going after you. Crosscode first, but hey, you know, you're getting at something. Crosscode can come eventually. I mean, you'll also love the shit out of that game too, so. I've got that installed on the Steam Deck. I'm definitely going to play it. You know, it might even be right after this one. It, it's I, it's going to be very, very soon because I planned on doing these three um, next. So when this is done, 
that's assuming where I'll go. Sweet. What about you? What have you been up to? Well, I got two uh, smaller reviews to go through because uh, I got a chance in the last uh, weekend to go through a couple of shorter games. I haven't decided what my next big one's going to be yet because I've just been still in Minecraft rehab. I'm probably going to lean towards Final Fantasy 16, but we'll see. It really just depends like if something else comes out, like if PlayStation Plus pops something else or Game Pass pops something else up that gets my attention, maybe we'll, it'll shift. But at this point, I'm probably going to lean towards 16 now because Cyberpunk, I want to see how it goes potentially with, um, I can't think of the Phantom DLC right now, but once the, uh, the next DLC comes out, I maybe we'll just wait. I also still have both Disco Elysium and Divinity Original Sin 2 to look at too. So there's, there's a oh. couple of options that I'm not sure about, but you know, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. All right. I got my own little backlog, although my backlog is less me playing it because like you have a massive backlog and you just have a bunch to go through i have a i guess a big backlog but at the same time i also have very specific games i want to play also hi doggo yes he's i noticed him in the screen i was like (laughs) here he comes i can see him but um most of the time like i have like a very small amount that i want to play but it's a matter of getting myself to start something because it's very easy for me to be like yeah but i'm also still doing this and i'm jumping into this once in a while it's kind of hard to get that last bit especially when it's stuff that's been sitting there for a couple of months now, because if you haven't started at that point, you don't exactly have the urge to suddenly jump into it right away. But uh, yeah, I did get a chance to play a couple of small ones. So uh, on Game Pass, I got the attention of this one when we were doing all the um, faux E3 presentations when uh, Wholesome Games came up and they had a game called Venba, which I took a shot at. And that game is... I mean, the closest example I give it is basically a short story video game. Like, it, it's two hours tops, and it's essentially a game that's mostly just a visual novel with a small amount of, like, cooking bits to it. The cooking bits are not difficult. It's basically the story of a Middle Eastern family that comes over from India and moves into Canada, and it's just the the, the struggles of adapting to their new home and family issues and things like that. And again, it's really quick. They have like, if you're watching on video right now, the basic, they're the basic, the basic, that's a word. The basic uh, (laughs) gameplay is really just, you go through a recipe book that's kind of messed up because I guess over the years it's been passed down and things go off and you're just trying to figure out how to make traditional Indian dishes. And every time you finish one of those, you get another cutscene that leads you further into the story. And eventually, you know, it just comes to its end. It's nothing special. Like, it's a nice, wholesome little thing. There is some, like, you know, realistic, like, negative moments to it. But again, we're talking about an immigrant family coming into a Western country. What? Possible racism things happening? What? Impossible. That would never happen. But it's mostly, it's mostly just, like, within the family. So there's not really too, too, like, too much dangerous stuff compared to, like, when I was talking about the review of Three Pines where it gets really, really dark. This one doesn't do nearly as much. It has like a moment where you're like, oh, okay, I can see what's happened here. But everything else, it's more like it's just the family struggling to kind of figure figure their, themselves out moving from a new country and a new culture, essentially. So it's a nice little game. Like, I would definitely suggest it to anybody, especially if you have Game Pass, because it's so short. I don't know if I'd suggest paying for it, at least at full price. I don't even know how much it is full price. Like, if it's like maybe under 10 bucks, I don't think it's there's any issue taking a look at it, but... If you have Game Pass, that's an easy an easy one to tell people to go after because it's it really doesn't take much of your time. You could finish that in a, in an afternoon, if not less than that. Like you could just pop in 
and get this game done sooner than you know it and then be and then be done with it so it's no it's nothing too special on that front but it's a nice little thing like it's it's one of those games that again i like kind of putting in between stuff because a it's really quick and b it's also like a much more different experience that i wouldn't try again another reason why i like game pass so much because it lets me try these things that i'd never take a look at i would have never in a million years tried this game oh yeah that's one of the reasons i love game pass too it's you there's so many games that are on there that even if you did notice it and you're like that's interesting usually it would get pushed back because it's like well i'm gonna be buying some games the new cyberpunk dlc is coming out and i want to hop into that so i'll probably grab that first but you know one day i'll grab this indie game and usually some of them would i mean many of them would get pushed back and it was more just a oh once it's really on sale or or something maybe i'll pick it up or whatever happens where in game pass it's kind of like oh i can just play it and I don't have to worry about waiting for it to go on sale. I don't have to worry until it makes sense for me to pick it up. And you kind of like lose that excuse. And then all of a sudden you're able to try it right away and you love it. And it's like, wow, I should have been playing more of these anyways. This is better than most of the AAA games I've been playing lately. And it's dumb wonders. I mean, look at look at like two of my favorite games this year have come from that. A Space for the Unbound and Hi-Fi Rush. I mean, Hi-Fi Rush, yeah. I probably would have taken a look at. A Space for the Unbound is unfair also because it's made by the same developers who did Coffee Talk, so that's kind of cheating. But like last year, my game of the year was Eastward, which came off of of Game Pass. Chained Echoes is one of the best JRPGs I've played in a long time, and that came off of Game Pass. And I probably yeah. wouldn't have looked at it because it looks like an, an RPG maker game, which I generally stay away from. Yeah. And uh, even with PlayStation Extra... You've also got, with Game Pass too, because it's coming to both, but Sea of Stars, yep. a JRPG that... This one, sure, we may have looked at eventually, because, There's again, also it's re- Yeah, by... because the composer that's attached to this, too, is... Yeah. Yeah, like, it's this is a huge JRPG. I'm not mistaken. It's the Chrono... It's the Chrono... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's Yasunori Mitsu, Mitsueda, I or Mitsuda. So. Yeah, I believe so, which yeah. is crazy. Because if you played The Messenger, this developer's first game, you would have never thought that like their next game was going to be this and this big with this kind of composer attached to it. You'd think like, oh, that was a really cool NES style Ninja Gaiden type of game. Thank yeah, you. I mean, it, it definitely begs the conversation at some point in the future. Again, like I know that some people think that these are kind of ruining the way the games are, because if you're a physical collector, like it's, it's definitely starting to take away from that because now that this exists is taking, it's taking so much more of the pie my argument, though, is like, man, like it makes you as a consumer also feel like there's not nearly as much money you have to spend to get into something. And especially with a lot of these games, like I'm paying what, like less than 20 bucks a month. And at any point, I can just dive into here and look at this hundred plus game list and be like, you know what? I don't know if I'd ever play this, but hey, I'll try it for an hour. And who knows? Maybe I'll end up coming away thinking this is amazing. So it, it's one of those things where. I'm really happy that it exists. And also in the same way, because I'll get into my next review, I like how Epic Games is still doing its free games every week because I tried the one of the ones that came up this week. It's called Orwell Keeping an Eye on You, I believe is the full name. I just oh, called yes, Orwell. Yes. That game was a fucking ride. I have never been more terrified of government surveillance than I did playing this game. And I also thought I could do this fucking job for real. That sounds like fun. But uh, essentially Orwell is a... It's very much one of those, like, it, you've probably seen a couple of these before where it's a faux hacker game where 
the idea is that, oh, and I apparently click pause on the YouTube on the screen. Don't worry about that if you're watching on YouTube. Nothing happened there. The video worked just fine. Nothing was going wrong. But um, it's a game where essentially you're going through the quote-unquote internet to profile people that were part of a, a, a potential terrorist attack. Well, I shouldn't say potential. There's a terrorist attack that starts at the beginning, and you're trying to figure out suspects. So you're essentially 1984-ing it by you know, profiling people and seeing, you know, all of their personal information. You get to eavesdrop on phone calls and text messages. You get to look at websites to kind of profile them and see if you can find like a little piece of information that might lead you to another spot. Like you'll go through their police report and you'll see, oh, here's their address. Oh, okay. We find this. Oh, here's their personal um, quote. Like it's their Facebook page. Oh, look, here's a, I don't know why her cell phone number's here, but okay, there's her cell number. All right. Oh, we have access to her phone now. Okay, now we can see any text messages she's engaging in. And you slowly start to build cases towards people to figure out, okay, is this person responsible for something? Like, what's going on? And it's a five-chapter story of trying to figure out who this terrorist group is that's been setting bombs off around this essentially um very i don't know how big the area is but this small nation that is kind of fenced off to the rest of the the rest of the world as being this safe state so there's a, like a much more heavy surveillance state they're trying to like do but every it, they're just known as the nation so it's more one of those things of like oh this is the 1984 country quote unquote you know mm. and it's a really interesting game there's no like voice acting or anything there's no real cutscenes apart from like the opening where it shows the bombing that starts you off it's literally if you're watching on youtube right now this is the entire game but it's interesting how a game like this for me personally i know this is not going to be for everybody there really felt like stakes were on the line here and there are potential different endings to not even just the entire story as a whole but some of the chapters there are people that can live or die based on what you do because if you make a bad case for them as the course of the chapter goes along, people are going to treat them differently when, you know, like, for example, if somebody is going to, you know, end up at a point where the cops could arrest them, if you're, if their case file makes them look pretty unstable, well, the cops are going to treat them as such. Let's, let's assume that, right? And as I said, there are a couple of different endings. So there are a couple of different directions you can go by the end of it. But essentially it's this whole thing about you being, essentially like an investigator i guess they call you where your job is to try to suss it out and you have somebody working over top of you trying to direct you to where you should be going and you're you're just trying to build a case for people and it's one of those games that like it will feel pretty dry to some i'm sure there's some people watching this being like this seems kind of boring and it is definitely i can see why a lot of people wouldn't be into this for me, it's it's one of those things, because again, it's very short, and it's also chapter separated, so you don't even have to gun through the whole thing. I did. It took me like, maybe, it's usually about an, an hour per chapter, so it took me probably like four to five hours. But like, especially in the later couple chapters where things can really get a little bit more tense, I legitimately felt that, even though like, I know that there's, there's no visual consequence. I'm not going to see someone die. Like, I'm not going to... There's nothing like that's going to flash in front of my eyes that's going to scare me. Even the text alone of being like, oh, this person, like this bomb just suddenly went off. You missed something and you're like, oh, shit. Just that fear of dread of like, oh, crap, I screwed up. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. And it's done very, very well for a game that has 
no voice acting or no real like cutscenes to tell its story. It's all done through text. It does a very good job of setting you into this area where it's essentially like the minority report of like police states. Like it's very, it's very much a world I wouldn't want to live in. I can't imagine a world where literally anybody can just get into your information at any time. And there's cameras everywhere that would creep me the fuck out. I'm sure we already have places around Canada that are sort of like that. And we just don't know because you can't see every single camera floated around, but this is one of those ones where it's like the obvious case where you can see the camera on every corner sort of deal. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's, Funny you mentioned this one just because uh, as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, I, I know this game for some reason. Why do I know it? And I just quickly checked my Steam library and I have it. And I it's definitely it's from like 2016. It. it started. It first started out. Yeah, I think that Steam also had it where it was giving it away for free, like at some point, like two or three years ago or something like that. It was just a free 24 hours or free weekend where you could grab the game. Um, so I have it and I definitely love what you were just showing. That's definitely one of the type of games I love because it's like, you're just sitting at a computer and it's more like you're doing a, a puzzle, if anything, or, or kind of like a story driven puzzle, kind of like papers, please like that kind of thing. Um, I definitely am going to add this to my, uh, to the top of my backlog. Cause it's pretty neat too. Like for those that are watching on screen, you'll see that there's like a section here in this chat message. It's got like a glowing blue bar. That's just in general information. There are sometimes where you'll see a yellow bar, which means there are consequences to which ones you use because there's conflicting information. So it could be something like these two addresses don't match up or this statement doesn't match up with this statement we have from a, a different conversation. And sometimes you see the yellow bar and you don't even know what the conflicting information is yet. So you have to dig for that. And it's possible that you can't even find the conflicting information because you might have already put something in that negates you ha ever having access to that page. Ooh. So you got to be very careful on what you use. So it's one of those things where if you just blindly, like anytime something lights up, you drag it. That's not always the best idea. You want to be very careful on what you do first. So it's sometimes better in your best interest to let everything go first before you start running through information and pulling things across because you might get a different narrative than what you might have been thinking it was going to be. And it might keep you from getting a few more pieces of information that you might have need to steer it in a different direction. Dang. I know yeah, this because it's, uh, it's my fault somebody dies in this game because I may or may not have uh, kind of led them into an ambush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So you did what you set out to do. Good job. Yeah. I was a, I was a good investigator for a little while. <laughs> not even of my own volition. I didn't realize what I was doing. We're all, we've all got that sometimes, you know? It also kind of, it gives me vibes, like not in the same like comical vibes, but it kind of reminds me of a game I reviewed not too long ago called Not For Broadcast, where it's that same kind of when the government gets too much into people's hands sort of deal. Whereas Not For Broadcast was from the guise of like somebody who's working as a TV uh, producer. So you're like doing like the switchboard and stuff and you're kind of like deciding what airs and what doesn't. This is a similar situation where you're kind of selecting what stuff the big government sees about a person rather than, you know, because you don't just pull everything. There are, you, like, there are points where you could say that, like even for example, right now I'm looking at the screen, there's two yellow bars one of them is a, it's about a case that this woman was initially charged for, but the case was dismissed. 
there are two options that it shows you because it could be either, oh, but there was a lack of evidence or eh, her family who's really wealthy might have influenced her getting uh, getting let off. So you, there's definitely like decisions of how you can shape a person's profile and how the government will look at them when they start to decide whether an arrest needs to be made or not. Jeez. Yep, I'm into it. It's a very interesting game. You're always and convincing. And it does me. a great job because when the uh, when the tense moment happens, it does that whole like boo, like it gives like this big like bassy note in there to let you know that something's happened. And every time it happened, it actually did freak me out because I'm like, oh fuck you! Like you get the chill up your spine because you're like, oh, oh shit, yeah. what did I do? Or what happened? There was a point by the time because I was playing the last two chapters really late at night. It's one of those games that, like, it's still an atmospheric tension where I was like, what if somebody actually does storm into my room? Even though I know there's no fucking way, but it's so tense that it kind of gets you a little on edge, which I also appreciate. Because I'm not too big on being scared, like, with horror games, but I do like the hair standing on the back of your neck kind of, like, tense feeling. Okay, okay. So play with headphones. And in the yeah. middle of the night. Got it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Make sure it's all dark, too, so that it's just you and this white glow of a monitor. Oh, very fitting. Very fitting for the game. It's interesting how I've played a lot of uneasy atmosphere games lately with, like, this and Inscription and stuff like that. I I'm really trying to tread the line between me and horror right now. I'm trying to be as close as I can without going over the line. I say that as I still want to play the two Resident Evil, uh, or I should say three Resident Evil remakes now, now that uh, four is out. Oh, yes, that's true. That There is four, three of them now. Do it. Do I it. Mean, I mean, like, every time I delete something on my PlayStation, Resident Evil 2 pops right back over again. I'm like, ah, there you are. I keep forgetting you're there. <laughs> and I never start it. It's like I said, it's <laughs> nice, some of those things where nice I just try. don't get the urge to start it. And I should, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, it is a good one. Scary for me, at least. I'm a wuss. Oh, if it's scary for you, it's, it's going to be one. scary for me. There's no question yeah. in that. <laughs> it's a very good game, though. I am what you call a bitch. <laughs> yes, I am right there with you, my friend. <laughs> the exact same level of fear for everything. Yeah. Well, now that I get a quick swig of water in me, it's time for our main topic of the day. Those who are who looked at the title beforehand will know exactly where we're going into. So this story or this topic comes off of, uh, obviously, not too long ago, Lance Reddick, um, actor voice actor he passed away suddenly uh the big role that he has recently been recast for was zavala from destiny 2 which that was a big one for me also meant a big deal with the uh, the latest dlc showing uh, nathan fillion reprising his role as kate six which i feel like was done specifically because of of lance's passing so that they had like something to kind of give like give balance to but um, the news came out that Keith David is going to be replacing Lance Reddick for that role, which, look, if there's anybody that's going to replace Lance Reddick, yeah, Keith David's right there on that list. That's a, that's oh, yeah. a pretty goddamn oh, good replacement. Yeah, that is, that's the closest you can possibly get with, like, an iconic voice. So, and honestly, if they said, oh, we're going to replace Silence with him too, I'd be like, good. You know what? That's awesome. <laughs> I'll take that because legitimately Keith David is also a fantastic voice actor too. So, Oh, very much, very much specifically in saints row the third when he's himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't even know he was in that. That's yeah, because yeah, I he's in, I believe the third, the third and fourth. 
because it becomes like your cabinet chief or, or cabinet minister or something like that when you become the president in the fourth game he's like your vice president or something like that uh, well that's but fantastic in, rick and morty actually, he, he is just the president. The, i can't remember is he just in the fourth game oh right because he plays another character i believe in the second game because he's like one of the villains but he's like a gang leader but he, he dies but he comes back as Keith David and just everybody keeps like referencing. He's like, you know, you sound a lot like this guy, right? He's like, I don't know why people keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I believe it's in the fourth game. He actually reprises his role with, uh, from they live and Rowdy Roddy Piper also makes a cameo in the game. So it's those two again, fighting aliens as the, their characters from that movie. It's fucking fantastic. Again, that is another reason why I love saints row, but also really lament the fact that it's not what it used to be either. Yes, yes, I could see that. But with that in mind, so because of that reprisal, it just made me think of like, damn, like Keith David's a really good voice actor. You know what else is a really good voice actor? A lot of people. So I figured, hey, why don't we, you know, do for our topic this week, you know, our favorite voice acting things. Now, obviously, there was going to be 15 choices potentially as we had Kalen here, but with him not here, it helps. So we had uh, two reviews and also you talking about trails. So we killed some time. So that way, if it's only 10 choices we do, it's not so bad. So yeah, it won't be too bad. It won't be too I bad. do have, I have like 10 because I kept a lot of backups just in case. I'm pretty sure some of these won't cross over for a while because, I mean, obviously I'm a weeb, so I have other options that aren't just the big ones. Don't worry, you guys can have your Last of Us and Uncharted actors as much as you want. But uh, I had a bunch here too. So um, we're going to do five. I'm going to note these down. So if we ever come back to this in the future, because especially with Kayla not being here, I would love to go back and revisit this and keep adding to the master list. Because I think that's a really cool thing. Because, I mean, if we just give five of our favorites, that's going to leave out five more that we just didn't get a chance to or five more that we may come across down the road. Because every time something comes out, you never know. Something might replace it. So we'll see. Yeah, what and I really want to know if uh, if I do go with one of my five, I really would want to know what Kalen's take is on this one too. I'm very curious. So I might have to ask him again. I might just bring it up, maybe in the Discord. Well, Maybe hey, next I'll have episode. the master list yes. so I can always remind you, hey, remember this thing we did last week? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I will start. I'll get the immediate nerd one out of the way so we all don't have to think about it anymore. Mark Hamill as the Joker in the Arkham games. Like, that's a yeah. gimme. Specifically, my personal favorite one was Arkham City. That's still my favorite of the of the games in there. He's great oh, in Arkham absolutely. Knight as well. I mean, our, I mean he's great in all of them. But like City is the one where I think I truly enjoyed him because that's when he's sick. So you have like the extra portrayal of him also playing a dying Joker, which is really interesting and different. Yeah. So that would that was a much more uh, interesting change, which I absolutely adored with that. It's still one of my favorite like like um, tie-in games. Well, it's not a, really a tie-in to anything. It's more just using the Batman license. But I still think it's one of my favorite license games of all time. Still to this point. Because it just oh, takes that license and does the best job of it. I know a lot of people like to say Asylum's better. I really do think that City is the best version of it. Oh, I completely agree. I think City is when it really hit what it could be. It took Asylum and it kind of built on it. Uh, Arkham Knight was good, but it just... It's something about it just didn't feel the same as City. Like, I, maybe it was the Batmobile. Maybe it was the enemies. Who knows? But um, just joker uh, you know what it's joker joker in arkham city made arkham city the one of the best licensed games that exist to this day i 100 percent agree with you oh absolutely and it's one of those performances too where it's almost unfair 
to say that it's one of the better ones because it's really just Mark Hamill playing a character he's played forever and has yeah. done so well. And again, it's one of those ones too that you're like, oh my God. Like in retrospect, Luke Skywalker ended up becoming one of the creepiest like villains of all time and does such a fantastic job with it. Which like, if you had said that way back in like the days of like the early beginnings of Star Wars, like, oh, by the way, Mark Hamill's gonna like, take over like the role of the joker actually i don't because i don't know the timeline so much like i don't know when the first batman movie came out but like if you had told somebody look luke skywalker is gonna absolutely crush jack nicholson's joker i'm sure a lot of people would have been like you're out of your fucking mind luke yeah. skywalker is gonna come in and do <laughs> yeah. this yeah no it's not that far off too because um return of the jedi ended in 1983 and batman came out in 1989 they're only six years apart which is very crazy to think of. Um, so it's not like this was many years down the road, like, oh, it's been 20 or 30 years. Mark Hamill's doing something new. Good for him. No, no, this was like really close to, it was within 10 years after um, Star Wars that he that he took the role of Joker yeah. and went from the nicest goody two shoes, like the epitome of good versus evil, he is good, to literally the epitome of evil in good versus evil. He is the most good person and he is the most evil person in his acting career. And it's the two parts he's known for the most, which is what blows my mind the most. It's, it's insane. Isn't, isn't still, it great like, that literally like, he, like you're basically looking at, Oh, here's the light and here's the dark side. Yeah. He is the light and he is the dark. He is both like, I don't know how he pulls it off. And in a way that everyone's like, do the thing, do the thing. We love you. Do the thing. And it's just, oh, he's perfect at, at this role. I, I don't, I still don't think there's a better Joker. Like, yes, sure. Jack Nicholson, stuff like that. Heath Ledger, but there's something about Mark Hamill's Joker that he can just, you can feel the personality through his words when he's not physically there. Cause it's voice acting and it hits harder than any Joker performance I've, I've ever seen. Like he is, he is the Joker, and it's still the best. As an aside, here's a hot take. I don't think Jared Leto's Joker is that bad, but the problem is is that the writing was so bad in those movies that it kind of oh, takes yeah. away from what could have been a really interesting perspective on the Joker, like a more modern, yeah. psychotic version compared oh, to yeah. what we're used to seeing. But of course, um, Suicide Squad was r really bad. <laughs> yeah, I think that is, uh, yeah, the directing, the writing... <laughs> yeah. I can't save Morbius though. Sorry, Jared. There's no saving that one. No, that you signed up for that and you knew what you were getting into and you still did it. We're mad at you. Well, I'm not mad. I never saw it, so I don't have to worry about it. I also didn't. It didn't affect me in any way. I'm, I, I took one look at it. We're like, oh, cool, Morbius. And then I saw the trailer and I went, oh, Morbius. <laughs> the only interest in me was that the guy who plays Anderson Dawes in The Expanse was also in that. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I saw the trailer and went, that's not enough to get me to watch it. Sorry, guys. No, no. Poor guy's probably going to be written into a poor role, and that guy can be a super good actor. So I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it just in case. All right, we talked about a bad acting performance. We're getting off that stuff. So, all right, so what's your first? Um, You know what? I'm going to go with a pretty easy one. I'm going to go. This one, it's two. They go together because apart, it wouldn't be the same. Um, Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker as Ellie and Joel in The Last of Us. Uh, just, oh my God, like the acting in that. I know that they didn't just do the voice acting. They did motion capture. Like they really just became those characters. 
Um, and the two of them, obviously, in their own right, they were even in the Last of Us TV show and everything like that. They can both act, everything like that. They're just obviously their their forte is voice acting. Um, the two of them together in that like created two of the most iconic characters in my opinion. Like they really put like just the basic human emotions that really would come out in a really crappy situation like an apocalypse. Um, but like, I mean, it could have been a walking dead one. It could have been last of us. They could have been in whatever, you know, deep crappy situation. They could act out those emotions. Uh, so well, you could feel pain. You could feel, um, you could hear in their tones of voice when they were distancing themselves emotionally. Like, how do you talk in a way to show that emotionally you are distant from people? Like, that's not just something that any person can just do when it's just like, oh, act like that. People say the lines, they'll act like they really know how to have the emotions and actually, like, give you what those characters are feeling through a voice performance, which is like, again, it's like one of the most heartfelt struggle stories I've ever witnessed in my entire life. And the way the two of them brought those characters to life is something that I hadn't seen in a really, really long time, like not to that level. So just such a good, just good performances. And again, I had to put them together because one without the other, I really don't think they would have been as strong apart as they are together. Right. So. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those things where like, again, like I personally didn't get into the series cause I tried the first one really didn't click. Um, but again, like I can't deny from what I've seen in the trailers, what I've seen in gameplay previews that we've seen at like three and stuff. There's definitely a quality with these games in the same way that like, I mean, I know how good Troy Baker is. Obviously it's not like it's the only role he's ever done. So it's not like it's, we we know that he's a very very good voice actor, one of the better ones we have today. Oh yeah, and you know we're talking about a game that has had game of the year implications that people will rate as one of the best ones that we've had in the last ten years. So you know there's enough there to be like, look, even if I don't care about the game, even if I haven't played it enough to know, I know that this is one of the ones. Like I could have had it as a backup just for the sake of having it, but I know someone's gonna say it, so I don't have to worry about it. It's one of those ones that's yeah. like it's implied. Someone's gonna say it. I don't have to write this one down. It's fine. We'll get to it. If if Kalen was here, this would have been his number one. I can just feel it. There's no way it wouldn't have been. His favorite game is his favorite game for a reason. And I these can't two... believe you're saying that when you could have been saying Haley Joel Osment and Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> okay, that's Kay- that's Kalen's second, probably. <laughs> probably. But yeah, again, like that's a no-brainer. So, you know, okay, we fine. We've gotten... We got a couple of the easy ones out of the way. All right. Let's see. Who could I throw up here now? Uh, yeah, let's go with this one. We'll go with uh, another, since we're in the Last of Us territory, I'll go with another one that's in a zombie-infested world that's very dark and depressing, and there is definitely a kinship between, you know, a an adult and a child. I'm going to go with Dave Fennoy, who played uh, Lee Everett in Telltale's The Walking Dead series, specifically the first, oh. the first game. Yes. And oh, iconic. That was a really... Like, that's one of the, the true games that I can put at and be like, see, it doesn't have to be an intensive game. You can have a game that is, quote-unquote, a walking simulator and still do the job. 
it can still be done very, very well. Because again, storytelling can make anything work if it's done well. We can play a game, like for God's sakes, there's a game that I'm about to try, and I know I told Chris about it too, that's called Murder by Numbers, which is a visual novel that uses like a Picross level of thing. You know that if a game is just funny enough, you can get by any sort of gameplay, including Pete Picross. So, you know, you can make anything work if either the storytelling is good from like a funny perspective or a legit like emotional perspective. And look, is Walking Dead a like really like strong mechanically game, like strong game? No, it's not. It's pretty basic as shit. It's more the... Yeah. You t you going through the story and making decisions whether or not they actually are going to mean anything in the end because most people are going to die anyway because, well, it's the fucking Walking Dead. Um, it's still a very emotional roller coaster, and specifically, I don't think there's anyone in the entirety of the Walking Dead games from Telltale that had a more emotional story than Lee did. I don't even think it's close oh, yeah. either, and that's including Clementine who goes through many games and has a large overarching story lee specifically though just unbelievably well told and really set the benchmark yeah. too for games from then on 100 percent. i remember when that game first came out um i got into the walking dead series a little bit late uh the show was already on like it's fourth or fifth season so not too late but still like everybody else had already been on the bandwagon for a while um, so I obviously came into these games after I got into the show and I remember there was one review or at least just one comment. I don't even remember if it was a full review where it said this game, the acting in this game, the performance in this game, the writing of this game is better than the overall TV show. And Any I can say that for certain because moment. I watched like maybe half of the first season and then that was it. So, <laughs> yeah. And I've seen almost all of the walking dead i haven't seen the last season i gave up on it 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 didn't it's not the first beginning of the show incredible ending not but that aside this game was literally the best walking dead anything that i ever watched read witnessed at all um i'm sure there's people that'll be hearing this and yelling like no the comic book is the best the original that story was hard hitting for sure fine i'll give you that that was but this is where it was finally acted out. And the way that this was acted, the obviously writers uh, obviously deserve a part of it too because they actually had to write the lines and everything like that. But if you take just Lee's character, it is the most interesting, the most heartfelt, the most heartbreaking, the most uplifting, like just all of it. And it, it is the best Walking Dead performance and character that's basically ever existed in my opinion including all of the shows and everything so i completely agree with that comment it made me try it and like this was one of those games where i was so emotionally invested in it that when it was over i had to like go lay on my bed and just like put on music and just lay there like i didn't know what to do with myself and my emotions I mean, when, it's the, when right i finished now that the two characters on screen for those watching that's literally the the quote the two best like in this in this specific chapter these two characters fucking shine both of them for their own different reasons it's so good lee and kenny just do such a great job of really setting the world what it is because lee starts us off kenny comes in later into the picture and shows the struggles of now being a father during the course of this 
and just the absolute I can't even imagine like trials and tribulations of trying to have a family and keep it together in the course of what is a basically civilization ending apocalypse. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I would definitely give Kenny and then obviously Clementine. There are so many good characters in this. I definitely say those are the top three and for nice sure. Crossover like Glenn's in there a little bit in the first chapter. Like it's it's kind of neat to see like a slight bit of crossover too. Oh yeah, not, you get not you a get lot Glenn. because I I don't know how many people I know Glenn and Michonne are the two that come to mind immediately. Michonne um, and Herschel, you actually go to Herschel's farm oh, before right. any of the other characters go. Yeah, like there's a fair bit of connection. I don't think it's the characters. I think it's more the characters from the comic version than the TV version, but they kind of left it open enough that no matter which Walking Dead you were watching or into, um, you kind of would get that connection and understand what's going on. I think they did that beautifully. But again, yeah, that's the writers and then the performance of of the of the um, the voice actors and all of that. Like, damn, like, good on you. Better oh, than yeah. most Hollywood movies, TV shows. I don't care. Like, amazing. Absolutely. All right. That's my number two. I mean, it's not in any order, but that was my second one. Uh, what do you got next? Uh, so I'm going to go with, are we doing five each or just five? Yeah, total? we're going to do five each. Okay. So my next one, I'm going to pull out one that's an oldie, but a goodie. Uh, and that's David Hayter as Solid Snake. Naturally. I have naturally had to. The, the um, true Solid Snake? The true solid snake. Yeah, none of this Kiefer Sutherland, whatever. Like, come on. This is. I remember the first time I on. saw that and went, really? Like, this is when we know that things are getting a little bit ridiculous because it's like, guys, did you really need to recast a really beloved character just because you wanted a big name actor? Yeah. Like, at that point. It doesn't point, make sense. I don't, I don't know whose decision. I'm assuming it was Kojima's at the time, but like, Kojima, did, did you. Like, you know, like, could you just not find Norman Reedus right away? Like, what was the problem there? Yeah, first of all, where's Norman Reedus in these games? Like, what the heck? <laughs> um, but also, yeah, David Hayter just, I don't think he, he did, it's not like he turned it down or anything. I'm pretty sure he was like, yeah, I just wasn't asked to do this one for some reason or something like that. And it's just, I don't, I don't like it. It's David Hayter is Solid Snake. I, the amount of impressions when I was in high school that I did of his voice saying things like Meryl and Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Yeah. Metal Gear, Meryl. Like, I just, all the time, I would do it to my friends. They actually got pissed at me because I would do it, like, three times a day, every single day, for, like, five straight years. Um, but you have to. It's just, he's, like, the iconic, typical action hero, but actually written in a way that it's like, man, I just love this guy. Like, everything about Snake is amazing, and there's no way, because... Metal Gear 5, amazing game, but the voice acting portion of it did not hit the same as, like, say, David Hayter's. Like, it just, it didn't. Like, there was just something about him where he would say, like, some epic cool line and then just say somebody's name and then he'd say Metal Gear and everybody would just lose their shit because it's like, he said it. He said the thing. He said Metal Gear. Oh, he said the word damn. I love that he said damn. Like, it's just such a good voice like he just he nailed it and he'll always be iconic to me he's he's just a he belongs with all the action heroes from hollywood and everything david Hayter's voice he needs to be included in there because snake iconic absolutely i'm trying to think of like what else he's done that was like really big 
Because like uh, he wrote the X Men movie, <laughs> the well, very that's... first movie. He wrote it. That was interesting. I mean, it's an amazing movie. I'm glad he wrote it. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. I remember it being a big deal when um, Republic was coming up because he was a big factor in that. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, my yeah, God. I He's literally. I ha- I'm... Damn it. I might not get to hear this because I play this game usually with music in the background. But, like, I'm playing Like a Dragon right now. Apparently, he, he voices in the English dub as a bartender. What? Only a bartender? No, he should be Snake. Every time he shows up, he should be Solid Snake, but now it's Solid Snake is a bartender for some reason. Yeah, I'm looking. It's honestly surprising that he hasn't done more voice acting roles. I wonder if it's just a case of, like, he's not really interested in doing that much else? Maybe. I don't know. Because, like, I after just remember year, he's, like, it's, it's still, he's doing stuff, but they're not really, like, major roles compared to, like, what he did with, with Snake. That's Now, granted, yeah, that's we're going to get him back when they do the... The Snake Eater remake, but it's interesting. Oh, is he that coming he hasn't back? Really done oh, that yes. Yeah, he better be back for that. If he's, he's not, gonna I'm going to be done, like, so any other... fearly upset. Yeah, he really hasn't done like nearly that much. It must just be that like he either just has something else that he does instead, or if it's he just made he just got so much money, that he's like, yeah, I don't got to do that much shit now. Apparently, he's in Super Bomberman R Online, where he plays Solid Snake Bomber. I mean, that sounds like something Snake would do. Yeah. Oh, Bloodstained, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. He was the narrator. I remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. So, like, there's a few things yeah. here and there, but, like, you would have expected to see, like, something else, like, really big. Like, he's he's in a Dragon Age Inquisition DLC, but he's not, like, again, it's not a major character or anything. So, it's, like, it's just weird to think that someone that we know as being so iconic, that's really, for the most part, his only iconic role. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these other games, it's like, oh, he's in Smash Brothers. Who did he play? Right, Snake was in Smash Brothers. Okay, cool. Like, it's just so many and of it's those. It's also like you think of like you think of like any voice actor that's done like a big role. Chances are, you've probably come across like you look at his Wikipedia page. Oh yeah, he was in this thing. He was in this thing. He was in this thing. And you're like, oh yeah, I remember some of these. Like they may not all be major roles, but they're like, oh okay, they've been doing quite a bit of stuff. Like obviously your Troy Bakers and Jennifer Hales and things like that. But with David Hayter, it just seems to be one of those things where he's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, he just, that's it. He became Solid Snake, and he's like, yeah, okay, I'm good. That's all I want. Well, I guess I won't delay any further. Speaking of Jennifer Hale, that's going to be my next one, who specifically I'm going to go with uh, doing the female Shepherd from the Mass Effect series. And I do say the female Shepherd because there is only one Shepherd, and that is Fem Shep easily the best i'm not i'm kidding like the i can't think of the guy's name right now that does the male version but they're both great but like jennifer hale's shepherd is just absolutely fucking legendary and does again like what you want out of a female protagonist especially when it's going to be like a soldier related thing she is a fucking badass in this series and really just pushes it over the edge with with the shepherd role and again it's also such a, a good series to go through i think you've played only the first one so far though right chris i don't think you've dived into the second one yet no i haven't gone into the second one yet i platinumed the first one i loved it that much that i just kept going so i'm going to go into the second one it's installed on my ps5 just another thing you add to the list right it's just it's on the backlog it's the backlog it's it's always adding new things because there's, there's new great games but there's all the good old games and then you guys will review something, you and Kalen, and then they, you both want to make me play whatever you just played. It's usually already in my backlog. So then it's like, well, I'll have to just shift around the order of when I'm going to play stuff. 
you're just like, I want to do that too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot to say. Like, it's just, again, it's another case of, it's also, like we said with, with Lee, and, and this is going to be the case for a lot of them too, the writing has to be good. It's really hard to be a good voice actor and carry a character when the writing sucks. I'm sure at some point, I didn't put anything on the list that reminded me of that, but I'm sure at some point I'll come up with somebody who falls into that category where it's like, look, this writing is dog shit, but this actor saves it by just being so good at, at being so bad. Maybe we'll come to that one day. This is not going to be one of those days. But yeah, that's that's my third. All right, Chris, what do you got? Uh, so I'm going to go with one that I kind of wish Kaylin was here for, but this is the one that I'll bring up again. Um, and it's a, it's a very, very new one. Uh, and that's because this one I was unexpectedly just like really, really, really blown away with. Uh, and I'm thinking a lot of people may not agree with me just because I've seen online. Some very much agree, some don't. Um, but I'm going to go with, uh, what's his name again? Ben Starr, who is the voice of Clive uh, in Final Fantasy 16. So he's the main character in uh, Final Fantasy 16. And I mean, I just felt like he acted the hell out of that role. Yes, it's also probably because Final Fantasy has just had not, it's not known for having like great acting. It's usually cringy. There are emotional moments, but it's usually the moment that's emotional or it's like not the main character. Or even if it is, like a lot of the older Final Fantasies had it, but it wasn't voice acted, right? It was just written down. By the time you get to voice acting, you have Final Fantasy XII, I mean, it's fine. There's some good characters in there, but it's not like you walk away like ready to cry because of one of them. 13, definitely not. Um, 14 has... Does it even have voice acting? It's been a while since I played 14. I'm here assuming and, there's some voice Here and there, there's, but it's not like massive. It's very specific yeah. in, in very specific areas that they have it. Yeah. I know, um, I'm sure in the, later, in the later expansions, there's more. And definitely in the first one, in the little bit that I played with the free trial, there's some, but it's very sporadic. Yeah. Um, 15, I was pretty, like, I had high hopes for it, kind of was a little disappointed. But I, again, like, the voice acting, like, the guys work together, like, a really good, like, bromance between four friends. But again, not, like, one specific voice that stood out that wasn't just, like, I'm a bro in a car with my friends kind of thing. Yeah, and it also doesn't help when the story, again, as we mentioned earlier, can carry. Uh, the story in this one does not carry anything. Yeah, no. So even if the voice actors were amazing, there was no way that they'd be able to carry that writing. Um, this you know, you one, know how easy the flying car is to crash in, in Final Fantasy XV? That's no. the weight of the story that's just not able for it. It's not able to carry it. That's why. <laughs> that's... <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. I like that. Um, but yeah, so getting back to Clive. Final Fantasy 16, they took a very different direction with writing. It's a lot more mature, um, very Games of Throne and Th Thrones inspired, that kind of stuff. For the first time in a Final Fantasy, like the actors, the emotions that they feel and that they carry was for me huge. Um, again, I'm not used to it in a Final Fantasy. And uh, as a big fan of Game of Thrones up until near the end, um, you know, this kind of storytelling, I really, really, really do like, I really do appreciate. And Clive, who plays both like a, a younger, older version, like it doesn't matter, like it's the one voice actor the whole time. He's 
his voice is so iconic and some of the emotions that he actually puts out for other people and stuff like that and certain big moments happen in the game i'm not going to spoil anything for anybody but like big moments will happen um and he'll like have to like step up or he'll kind of fall apart or whatever it is and he you can feel it with his voice acting and his his voice that he's actually using is so iconic already people he's been going on i don't know if it's on reddit i assume that's where it is but people have been just like asking him to say things so he posts like a quick little short video of him saying like toast or just some random word but he does it in the clive voice and it's it's just incredible like this voice is so good but obviously like well written um they've actually got an interesting character and an interesting story but without his acting and his voice i really don't think that this game would have carried the same weight it would have been able to carry because he really he is the main character it's a final fantasy where you really play as just one character there's other characters around him but unlike other final fantasies where you switch out some characters and you know, at some points it might be lightning, it might be Saz, it might be snow. No, this is like you follow Clive through his story and he carries it. And if he didn't, there's no way this game would have been what it was. So sure, I know some people feel like the game mechanics not as great. It's not a true RPG, all of that. And I don't disagree with, with those. It's not a true RPG and all that kind of stuff. But I do feel that for the first time in like Final Fantasy history, where, sorry, voice acted, Final Fantasy history that a character hits so hard home that I actually cared about them based on the acting performance, not just like when I cared about Terra in Final Fantasy VI, um, because my mind obviously filled in the blanks. There was no voice acting. It was just the words and I got to create it. Here, somebody's creating it for me and it felt like finally someone did it on a level that is just beyond what Final Fantasy is expected to have. So, so good. So good. Yeah, and it's definitely got my attention to, like I said, it's probably going to be the next thing I touch. So it's certainly one of those things that like, I'm excited to see because, again, like we've talked about this many times on the show that Final Fantasy just has been a shell of its former self. And while I don't think 16 for me is going to fully bring things back the way that it was, and I think it's almost impossible for Final Fantasy to do that now because Persona and Trails have both kind of filled the void that the last 20 years of not Final Fantasy turn-based games have have brought. So I don't know if this will do... I, my hope is that it's at least something that I go, you know what, if that's what they are from now on, I can give or take like without the Game of Thrones level material if they still do like some fun stuff. But if they keep the storytelling like this, if they can keep putting that level in, then we're good. That's my hope when I come out of 16 is that I go, look, I got problems with this and this, but at least the storytelling is fucking A-tier quality, which is what I expect out of a Final Fantasy game. And as far as I'm concerned, they haven't had it since, I won't even say 10 because look, I love 10 to death. The second half of the game is dog shit in a lot of, in a lot of ways. So I won't say that. I would say like seven remake is probably its best one. And that's kind of an unfair comparison, but because it's also just making an original classic better in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I was going with originals, oh God, I'd have to go all the way back to six. Cause like, I don't care too much for the, for the original story with 7 as much, which is why I do like the remake a lot more. 8 is not great, and 9 is... I wouldn't say 9 is bad, but 9 is very easily forgettable. I don't remember much about it anymore, which is why whenever I hear stories about the remake being a possible thing, I would fucking love that. 
even though I like Square Enix to slow the hell down because uh, I want to make sure the quality is good for anything else they're doing. Yes. But yes. I, I would love to see a 9 remake just to re-experience the story because I want to know if it's as good as I remember it. But yeah. yeah, I think I have to go all the way back to 6 for when storytelling is really at its at its peak for Final Fantasy, but then also games like Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross and, and other such things were also oh, filling the sure. voids as well. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and if you're trying to have 16 fill... Uh... I wouldn't go into it thinking it's going to fill the JRPG void. Uh, it's not going to at yeah, all. I'm more There's very for little like high tier storytelling again. Yeah. What I remember Square being yeah. capable of. Yeah, it's basically a Square Final Fantasy story ish. Well, Square story uh, with a lot of Final Fantasy ness and an incredible amount of Final Fantasy Easter eggs, but in like a really good action game for some reason. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even say very good action game. A a well enjoyable action game that to me i never got bored with like the combat and stuff like that um but yeah like it's just it's very final fantasy ish with so many final fantasy easter eggs and music and like that kind of level of storytelling just in a completely different genre for some reason yeah for so, sure yeah i'm looking forward to it uh let's see who am i gonna go with next here all right i'll go with a villain on this one i'm gonna go with uh and this one was one that I honestly don't care for the games that much, but like this was the one that maybe at least want to play the game as much as I could because I don't even remember if I finished this game or not. But uh, Far Cry 3 had a really good villain in Michael Mondo's uh, Voss. And yeah. that's one that I'm going to easily put out there because I thought he did a fantastic job of being this really legitimately like scary and psychotic villain that actually felt like someone who could just flip a switch and just stab you at any moment yeah he that is a really good one i didn't have that on my list and now i'm really upset that didn't come to my mind because that is one of the best acting overall like that game obviously hits so hard and everything but yeah it was him if it weren't for him it would nowhere been as good as it ended up being at this like, point he, he i went would prefer beyond a Far Cry 3 remake or remastering than a Far Cry 7 right now. Because honestly, 4 didn't do much for me. 5 I only played because I thought it was really funny how you basically get to gun down, like, Westboro Baptist Church-level cultists. And 6, I, I might get around to it just because it was... Is it either PlayStation Plus or Game Pass? I think it was PlayStation Plus that it was free on. Uh, it's on Extra. I think it's on Extra. Yeah, that's 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 what I was thinking about. So I might I might give that a crack just on that basis, but like... Far Cry as a game, after playing one of them, you probably don't need to play another unless the story intrigues you, because it really doesn't change. And I know because I played 4 and 5, and I didn't get very far in 4, but I at least finished 5 because, again, the characters and the storytelling was enough. But that gameplay has not changed at all. Like, if anything, it's barely changed. So, like... I would love to dive back in and get like a better graphical version of three, even though three holds up decently. Cause I mean, we're only talking like Xbox 360 PS3 days, so it's not terrible. But oh, yeah. uh, especially if you play on PC, cause you can up the textures and everything. Yeah. And it's still, in my opinion, looks incredible. Yeah. If we could get like a proper like console remake, I'd be okay with that. Or even just a remastering, oh, yeah. just so it's a little more upscaled. But yeah. I would take that happily. Cause again, like his voice performance is just so good. Yeah, it's insane. He he put chills down my spine in some of those scenes. I was like, 
I don't know what this guy's going to do. And the fact that it's a first person game. So like he's up in your face, basically, as you're playing. Mm-hmm. And I was on my VR. Can you imagine that opening scene with being in the cage with him in VR? Good Lord. That would be incredible. That is something that would terrify me, but I would want to experience. That's actually a really good idea. Damn. Damn. I totally forgot he was because I, I just looked up what else he's done. I didn't. I forgot that he was a. Uh, he was um, Mac in a uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh right. I'm trying to see what other voice roles he might have done in the meantime. Well, he really hasn't done much otherwise in terms of video games. That's really interesting. You would have thought he'd done more, but I guess not. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it seems like some of these voice actors they. They do one iconic role, and they're like, "Nah, okay." Yeah, I mean, his big, his big claim to fame is that he plays. I've never watched the show before. But he played a guy called Nacho Varga in Better Call Saul, and he did that over uh, like seven years, over like thirty-three episodes. So he definitely had his consistent character there. Oh dang! Yeah, I, I've never watched Better Call Saul, so that would be why I didn't know he was in that. Well, in terms of video games, he he's has he has three roles altogether, so he hasn't really done a lot since. Wow. So he got this, and then he uh, moved on to to TV shows and stuff. Yeah, it's, I mean, it seems good for like him. his his act his game is more an acting, like physically role. So, I, but either way, like I I would love to see him do more, just to, just something else, like just to see what else he could do with like a different game. Because I mean, boss is fantastic. I would love to see him play another like villain somewhere else. It would just be really cool. That would be very cool. All well, right, number four for you, sir. Speaking of villains, I'm going to give a somewhat villain. I mean, I don't think she did anything wrong, but Ellen McLean, who is GLaDOS from Portal. Uh, I think she did nothing wrong. She GLaDOS is actually the hero of the story, in my opinion. It is amazing um, when you think about like we could probably and we probably will end up doing this another time that we do this list. There is a number of people in the Portal series that we could easily bring up. Oh, 100%. It, especially Portal 2. That is the one of the best written stories ever of a game that really doesn't have like a lot of story. Like you're in a lab. Portal 1 had like no story. It's like, hey, you're in a lab. Get out. There's cake at the end. That's it. Like <laughs> it's, it's, um, but yeah, GLaDOS, like she's terrifying. She's a presence. You know, like when she is on the screen and she shows up, she just, oh man, like when I was talking about Voss giving chills down my spine, like when I played Portal and then Portal 2, actual like just chills down my spine, terrifying at what that 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 lady pulled off with some of her lines. Like I know she's an AI and stuff, and I'm sure they obviously tweaked her voice a little to make it a little more AI-like, but wow. Like yeah, I mean, some her voice hard isn't too far stuff. off, but it's more just they're putting a filter on it just to give it that sort of like yeah. AI echo to it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny enough, like there's even um, another game by, I think it's Telltale, and it's the uh, Poker Night in yeah. the something. Yeah, I can't Star remember what it's Poker called. N- or Poker Night or Poker... St- God. Maybe it's just oh, this Night, Night, like Night of the Inventory or something like that. Oh, Broken Night of the Inventory. That's what it's called. And there was the first game and it was good. It had like some characters in it and everything like that, like Team Fortress 2. Um, but then the second game, actually, I don't know if she was in the first, but I definitely know the second poker game. It was the dealer for the poker game was GLaDOS and she returned for that. And it was like, 
the reason I got those games in the first place. I'm not like a it's huge poker guy. Too. Like, it's a hidden gem. If you if you enjoy just oh yeah chilling for like 30 minutes to an hour and just playing random poker hands, it's so good. Yeah, and the and it's the it's not even the poker that makes it. It's the lines that everybody speaks as you're playing, and her playing Glados as the dealer for those the poker. Some of the lines she says when she starts putting you down or making you feel bad, or oh, like they're just so iconic that I I found myself not actually paying attention and doing well at poker because I was too busy laughing at some of the lines that she was saying, like. It was just straight up so good and iconic. So I have to give it to her. She's one of the greatest villains without having, like, she's the villain who I also find very endearing because she's just so clever and well thought out and methodical and funny that I almost just want her to win. Like, I, and it's just, she does so well at it. It's also just one of those things like, I wish they would do more of these. I, like it'd be so cool to have like this game because again like the second one too is just so good because you got Brock Samson from um oh my god why am I blanking on the name of the show? Uh, but oh I god. can't remember. Oh crap! We're both blanking. But like, if if you're looking at the video version, you know you know what it is. But uh, Claptrap obviously from Borderlands. Ash Williams. Unfortunately, it's not um, it's not oh Bruce my god, Campbell. What? Thank you. What is wrong with my brain today? It's not it's not actually Bruce Campbell, but you also have Sam from Sam and Max. So like you have a pretty decent like mishmash of people. I would love to see like if you're speaking of David Hader, there's a great spot to throw David Hader back in a solid snake. Yeah, playing poker. Like, how did they not have a third one of these with more? Like, I would if a third one of these was announced, I don't pre order often, I'd pre order this. Like yeah, I would I just would hop too. on this so quick because I mean I'll it's hard to screw this up. Like the, obviously the gameplay is going to be fine. It's more just what characters have they added and what funny, clever lines have they also added to such a extreme, like the super smash brothers of fricking poker. <laughs> and it's the venture brothers. That's, that's the, uh, the show. That oh, that's Brock. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to go to my last one. I'm going to go off the board because I'm going to do something different here. Instead of just going with English voice actors, I'm going to throw one Japanese one in as well. And I'm going to throw in, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but I'm going to throw in Hidenari uh, Ugaki, who does Goro Majima from the Yakuza series, specifically in Yakuza 0, where he's much more of a central focus. But... Like, I thought about going with Kiryu's voice actor, but I went, no, if there's anybody who's more memorable in, in those games, it's Majima, because he's a fucking psychotic, like, crazy person. And yet, in Zero, you see Majima in a much more chill light, which tells you, like, because it's a prequel to everything. So, you're like, oh, oh, he's normal. Oh, I get to see him fall. Oh, I get to see him lose, start losing his mind. Oh, I can't wait to see how this goes. And he does such a fantastic job of it. And it's why it's one of the very few games, because look, I watch anime once in a while and I'll watch mostly subtitled because I do want to hear the native tongue. And also because uh, Japanese voice acting is done very differently to English voice acting. You know, you take a look at the behind the scenes of, let's say, the Dragon Ball Z um, movies like that's come out recently. Like I remember when the new, um, it's not new now, but the when they finally came back with a new movie for uh, uh, Battle of Gods or something like that, when it, had a, when it yep. introduced Beerus. And they show the behind the scenes. It's just them alone in a booth. Like they have like 
usually Christopher Sabat, who's part of the team that deals with it because he's also the voice of Vegeta and Piccolo and does other things. But he's he's there as like the director for people when they're in the booth, but it's just one person in a booth. Oftentimes in Japan with anime especially, if a scene has seven characters in the entire scene, all seven voice actors are in the room together. So that way they wow. all look at each other. The timing is natural. It's a lot more natural because it's not edited in. And there's definitely like some inflections to things because when you're speaking to a person, it's a lot different than you speaking into a microphone. Yes. And I also do believe that it applies in a lot of other things like video games because I've played Yakuza games and I've tried the English dub. There's just no comparison. No. They do no. such a better job of, of emotion, of tone. They do it so well. And I can't imagine playing the Yakuza games with any other setting like i keep hearing rumors that oh they want to do a yakuza movie i would never under any circumstance want to play or want to watch a yakuza movie with anyone other than japanese voice actors specifically the ones that do their roles already but we're also talking about potentially live action so that's different but man if they ever did an animated movie yeah i would not watch this in english not a goddamn chance Oh no, no. There's no way if you if they do a Yakuza film and they do it in English, they've already lost their audience cuz I have to imagine most people are playing this in Japanese. I just have to. And that's the correct way to do it, 100%. I do it the exact same thing. The emotions behind them and everything like it feels more real. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where like you you just don't anticipate how like and and we've talked about it too and we've tried to sell uh kaylin on the games but like it's one of those things where even though there's so much wacky shit that happens the idea that they can have such emotional serious downright dark depressing dreary well done voice acting and then the next second it just goes into crazy town again but like when it has to get serious they do it so well. And like I said, I've I've played the games in English. I've watched certain cutscenes too in English just to see because I didn't want to play that deep into the game on English. And it it just isn't even close. It's not like it's like watching a race between me and Usain Bolt. It's not even goddamn close. Yeah. The Japanese oh, yeah. voice acting just runs away with it. And it depending on the game it, it can be it can go both ways i'm sure if i had started with the trails of cold steel games in japanese i probably would have liked them too but i started in english and then it was easy to stay with it i'm sure in, in that case the japanese might be better too because again it's also they probably put more money into the japanese voice acting too because well it was initially intended for a japanese audience but like there are very few cases where i will straight up refuse to play a game in english and yakuza is one of them and Majima is definitely the character that stands out as being this, as in this game specifically, a very serious, well-spoken character. And then when you go play, I guess at that point, the originals and work your way up from there, he is a psychotic masterpiece. Just a yeah. fucking treasure trove of weird lines and funny dialogue and all these just great things with him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Such a good series. Again, so many of them in my backlog. So many. Because <laughs> I think you've also only done Zero as well, right? Just Zero. Yeah. Zero. I own uh, Kwame 1 and 2 as well, I think, on Steam. So it's just a matter. I have Kwame 1 You'll be able installed to bundle that on stuff on Steam Deck. On PlayStation. You're good. 
Yeah, yeah. I so I'm going to play we'll the first. Back in seven years. Yeah. <laughs> Why so many series? Stop introducing me to things. Stop. I can't no. do it. <laughs> I can't do it. All right. Well, All right. you got the last one, so let's get this going so we can get the hell out of here. So I figure I'm going to pick a big one. Um, and this is actually how I wrote it down in my notes. I want to read this. Nolan North in literally every game, game ever made. You said um, game. Is that because you typed it wrong in there? I, okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not that I've typed it wrong, that autocorrect is a jerk. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Um, but yeah, so Nolan North in every game ever made, literally. Um, but obviously, uh, Nathan Drake, there's nothing touching that role for me. Um, he just, I mean, he brings that character to life and it's just such a lovable, like true, just adventure character. He really brings out that the same feeling you'd get from like an Indiana Jones movie, very different take. Obviously he's not like trying to be Indiana Jones. But just that same kind of like level of adventurous, enthusiastic spirit who's also very charming. Um, and you actually care about his story. You actually care about the relationships he has and all that kind of stuff. And yes, this is very much in an old fashioned adventure story. There's not many moments that like blow you away, like where it's like this unexpected oscar performance in the sense like you can't like you feel such emotion behind this huge emotional scene but that's because there aren't many giant huge emotional scenes right it is meant to be that fun adventure story where there's a love interest and there is an enemy you have to beat and a lot of hardship on the way to get to that treasure or whatever it is that's at the end of the movie um and just that was what he was given, and he plays probably my favorite version of that type of character. Um, I would say it, obviously, Harrison Ford as like Indiana Jones, almost untouchable, but I would say this is probably my second favorite version of just that adventure character. Um, just uh, like that, the way he acts it, the way he, he presents it. He basically gets to take over everything. that as like the best video game version of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Whereas, 100%. like, Harrison Ford can take the film version and then Nolan North takes over for the voice acting version in video games. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, really, um, because... Uncharted is, like, it's really the Indiana Jones, well, I shouldn't say trilogy because now there's four Uncharted games. And thank yes. God the fourth one is actually the best one rather than uh, Indiana Jones, where we don't talk about the fourth one or apparently the fifth, which I haven't even seen and don't plan on it at this point. Yeah, there's three movies. Indiana Jones. Three. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like Nolan North, like just the way he presents the character, you can actually feel like his anxiety with certain situations. You can hear his like love of adventure, but it's not easy to pull off so many quips and get away with it. Like where it's actually still funny and doesn't become cringy. And he manages to be funny in these situations where it's like he shouldn't be able to be funny because it's a very serious situation or it would have sounded like a corny joke but he pulls it off so well that you're just laughing your ass off when you should actually be focusing and then you'll also have the love interest moments and him and everything like that and and like he pulls it all off he really does have that adventurous like persona to him and it just it's so perfect and just the charm 
the amount of charm that this man has i don't know if he actually has this in real life but he can act extreme like the most charming acting i probably ever like it's just fantastic i would want to just hang out with him because he's so charming yeah but he'll probably just end up talking to you like he's deadpool the entire time oh yeah oh my god i forgot <laughs> yeah like how you can go from being deadpool to this like come on like i it's too they're both quippy so obviously he's very good with quips probably why he was also tony stark in the avengers game we don't talk about but um man like how he can go from like one extreme to the other just shows like the dude's got range uh and it's fantastic every well, single I mean, time you, you he want, like you want to talk about all the things he's done over the years like alone desmond and in, in Unch- in not uncharted assassin's creed which uh we don't talk about sometimes for different reasons um yep. the prince and the prince of persia remake obviously deadpool penguin in, in the arkham franchise uh he's i believe yeah he's walker in um spec ops yes yes and that he, was very hard he's literally just one of the voices for the player character in saints row five or four which is fantastic and uh he's <laughs> he's the replacement for peter dinklage in, in destiny as the ghost so oh right and that's, oh, that's just a good some pick. of them like if i scroll through his, his uh video game list i'm going for a while he he's got yeah. he's got a lot he he's definitely believe- one of the ones we talked about how it's weird how david Hader hasn't really done much no one north does not have that problem <laughs> no, he does not have that problem. I'm pretty sure you and me at one point in our lives made a joke that they could make a Super Smash Brothers game of just Norlin North characters, and it would be fantastic. Yeah, you could get a you could get a small roster off with that for sure. I don't know if it'd be that small. I feel like. Well, we got to be honest. We can't put every Nolan North character in there. Some of them, some of them aren't going to be Bionic Commando. Okay. <laughs> oh, so good. But yeah, like just. I don't know. I love the charm of of Nolan North as as Nathan Drake, and I had to include him. Yeah, I'd I'd say that is a that's a pretty goddamn good list. I mean, we've got some differentiation there. We got obviously some of the big ones off the board. When we do come back to this, who knows when that could be? It could be three months from now. It could be six months from now. It could be a year from now. We have no idea. But uh, it's definitely something we're going to keep an eye on. You know, there's going to be more performances that keep coming in that end up also being notable and i mean there's so many like i had 10 just off the cuff i'm sure i could come up with like 50 if i wanted to it's it's not oh, too yeah. diff- you just got to go back and just kind of remember like okay like obviously the main ones are going to stick up right off the bat like and then you're going to start thinking of like oh which ones were like like standouts but like they aren't like big names like like there's going to be some smaller characters that you're like you know what that character isn't a main character, but I really like what they brought to the table in this game. Like, there's stuff like that that will eventually pull out. And I think it's also oh, a fun topic to come back to every once in a while because it's always nice to shout out people, especially the smaller names that don't get too much love out there. Because, I mean, sure, we're obviously going through big ones like Mark Hamill, Nolan North, Troy Baker, Jennifer Hale. Like, we got a lot of big ones. I guarantee you the next time we do this, oh, we'll be throwing out some more some more uh, fun ones on the side here. For sure. Yeah, I was... I my list has a few more that are a lot more recent and big ones. I just didn't want to go through only the big recent ones, so I've kind of left them for the next time we talk about this yeah. on purpose. So if anybody's freaking out, like how can you leave out blank, blank, blank? They're probably on the list. We're just not going to give all those big recent hard hitting ones right now because we want to kind of spread it out. Yeah, exactly. And we just want to shout out ones that we personally thought were like some of our favorites. So just because we didn't say it here doesn't mean we don't think they're great like i said i never would have said uh joel and ellie but 
I know they're big. So it's like, it's not necessarily mean that we don't care. It's just, we but, only had room for 10 guys. So we, we, we you got to give us some time here. Otherwise, I don't think you guys want to hear a six hour podcast about us talking about voice actors. Okay. Maybe they and do. If you do leave comments below and tell us that we should do that. And then in which case we'll think about it. And we would definitely break that up into like a six. No. 12 part series because there's no way we'll be able to put in a one six hour video you guys can all leave the discord call i'll stick around and keep doing the whole thing i don't give a shit i go to bed i wake up you're still going and i just just kind of rejoin the the discord i guess he took the day off of work (laughs) yeah uh anyways i thought of these uh 20 other ones while i was sleeping (laughs) just jump back into the discord call at like four in the morning yeah i just i'm not sleeping very well but you know what i did forget this one can you throw that on the list as well sure thing chief i got you have a good night and then you just leave again oh so good so good well yeah that's gonna do it for this episode of the pixel play podcast so thank you everybody for listening this to this episode again thank you for all our new subscribers because we still keep climbing actually you know what i haven't checked uh haven't checked to see oh god i forgot when i do this the, chris leaves the window sorry chris i'm sorry there you go you're safe now you you exist again dang it it's it's all good uh, uh, reality see. it sucks here <laughs> oh my how are, have we hit oh, we're, we're about 138 so we've still we're still doubling has that video finally hit 5,000? because i know we were close we have so we have our first video at 5,000 views now what Oh my god! So again, thanks to all the Trails fans that are clearly holding up our 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 count right now. But hey, uh, it seems like everything else is doing really really well now. Like our podcast, our last episode did over thirty views, which usually doesn't climb that high. So it seems like we're we're hitting something. So for all of you that are watching and checking us out here, we thank you for for all your patronage here, and we hope to keep you here. And obviously, if you have any comments, any suggestions you want us to do, because our podcast for the time being, we don't know if we're going to change the format up at all. But right now, we're just kind of doing like. This is just our fun time to shoot the breeze and, you know, say like what are some of our favorite or worst things are. We used to do new stuff, but everybody does new stuff. Like you, there are a million places you can get that information from. So we thought we'd do something more personal and something more that's easy to interact with. So if you guys have any suggestions, if you want to hear, like, I don't know, if you want us to talk about our, you know, five, like least favorite games of all time, like we can do that. Do you have like, oh, I played this game recently. Like, what do you guys think about these? Like any topic that you guys would think would be interesting for us to talk about, shoot it in the comments and we'll take a look at that and see what we can come up with down the road. So don't hesitate to. And also, of course, we have our lovely Discord, which you can get the link to if you go to our link tree. That is linktr.ee slash pixelplaypodcast, where you can find link to our socials. Like I said, link to the Discord, link to where you can find the podcast, whether it's in video or audio form, all of that jazz. Make sure if you are watching this on YouTube to like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you are listening on any audio platform, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, if you can give us any sort of rating there, please do so as well. Put us up that algorithm chain and we will greatly appreciate that. So with that being said, my name is Adam, AKA CS Radical. Jen and Chris here with me signing off for this week. We will see you next time every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time when we upload. But aside from that, whatever you're doing, whatever time it may be, enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next one. Bye-bye for now.